Hello and welcome back to episode 21 of the Punting Fantasy Podcast. A very early recording on uh, this fine Brisbane night on a Wednesday. I'm going to start that again. Hello and welcome back to episode 21 of the Punting Fantasy Podcast. I'm joined once again by Mitch and Tom for the 21st time. Uh, gents, how are we doing? Yeah, good. Got lots of energy. We've got a bit of an impromptu uh, holiday. So uh, we're back after after a few weeks uh, in the wilderness. Um, so lots to talk about. When you say impromptu, Tom, can you try and let us know where the breakdown has been here? Well, we've actually recorded three podcasts over the last three weeks, if I my memory serves me correctly. I'm pretty sure it's been three weeks. Um, last week, Sam forgot to do his one job of putting the uh, podcast in the Google Drive. Um, so that was why that one didn't get up. And what happened the week, the two weeks before? I actually can't remember. We tried to let Sam edit it, but he didn't know oh, how. Right, yeah. I was pretty busy with – I had a bit of uni on, so we uh, – I tried to get Sam. We tried to get Sam to edit it, and uh, wasn't able to come through. Um, so unfortunately, yeah. So us, us university busy. students, yeah, us university students have been pretty busy with exams over the last couple of weeks. So we do apologise for uh, for not getting those out. I don't know what I was doing. I have no excuse. Um, but uh, yeah, we're back this week. And apologies if we do refer to some comments that we might have made in the last couple of weeks, because uh, like Tom said, there was a couple that we did record and and haven't didn't get to post because probably would have been made redundant by the time. Um, we predicted the wrong series after the series had already been run in the NBA, for example. But, uh, Mitch, you got something? Um, so what do you have to say for yourself, Sam? I'm just keen to get on with episode 21 for the fourth time. <laughs> well played. Plenty to discuss on the pod tonight, kicking off with uh, the NBA chat. And since it has been a while since we've last spoken, there is heaps to talk about in that section. Uh, we're coming to the close of the NBA Conference Finals before we move into the NBA Finals. Um, so a lot to touch on there. We'll go into our little Around the World segment, uh, discussing what's happening in, in some of the other codes uh, at the moment. Um, before moving into a draft where Mitch will take charge and we'll, uh, we'll be drafting our favourite or most favoured McDonald's menu items. Can't wait to get into that. Um, and we'll finish off once again with the Rats Random Thoughts. So really looking forward to that and uh, really looking forward to experiencing Tom's high energy levels after a little hiatus. So uh, let's get into it. Kicking off with the NBA, we've obviously, like I said, come to the come to the business end of the conference finals. We've uh, in the Eastern Conference, we've got Boston tied with Miami two to two going into Game Five, which will be tomorrow, probably when this podcast is released today. Um, and then we've come to the close of the uh, fourth game in the Western Conference, where Golden State um, leading the Mavericks three one with the, the Mavs taking one of their home games today. Um, Gents, what have we made so far of uh, each of the conference finals? Tom, I'd just like all accountability. As we said before, we made some predictions on our last podcast. Um, I'm happy to say I think I went Warriors in seven and Boston in six. That's just for accountability reasons. Sam, let's go around the circle. Sam? Yeah, I had Warriors in five, and I reckon I had Boston in seven. Yeah, there's a reason Mitch is bringing this up, because he's got the wood over me on this one. Um, I went Boston in six, and I uh, got a little bit uh, caught in the moment with uh, with my Mavericks pick. I went Mavericks in, in six, I think was what I said in the end. Was it six or seven? I think it was six. I think it was six. So, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot to be said in that series. I think the Warriors have just been... Just been plain and simple better. We talked a bit earlier on in the playoffs. We thought we were yet to see the best of them. Um, and they've got really, things really come together for them. I think the Mavericks five out has worked well um, into the Warriors' hands uh, at times. But I think at the end of the day, the Mavs just haven't played as well as what we've seen them play earlier in the playoffs. Um, they've been getting lots of good looks. Um, and unfortunately for them, they've had a you know one quarter in each game so far where things have really broken down and the shots haven't 
haven't dropped. Um, they've been in a position to win every game, just about, um, you know, and there's been a third quarter or here and there where they've they've really fallen off the wagon um, and, the, and the Warriors have run them over. So that one looks like it uh, will be ending up in a gentleman's sweep, I would be thinking. Uh, I think the Warriors probably close that one out in five. Um, and on, on Boston and Miami, I'm happy to say that's probably been one of my least favourite playoff series so far. Um, I was really excited. I've, I've been, you know, really enjoy watching Boston, especially play basketball for, you know, a lot of this season, um, as listeners of the podcast will know. But, yeah, that's just been – that's been a terrible series. It's been blowout after blowout. Most of those games have been done by quarter time. Um, one team just forgets to rock up and, you know, they spend the rest of the game trying to fight their way back into it. So, all in all, that's been really, really underwhelming. Um, and I think the injuries have also, have also played a bit of a role in that, which has been unfortunate. But what are your thoughts on, on what's been happening in the conference finals, Mitch? Yeah, I think uh, Warriors into a dollar sixty to win the whole thing. Um, they've just allowed themselves now. If it would have been nice for them, I'm sure they really would have liked to have won today. Um, but they're going to set themselves up with probably a week plus of rest going into the finals against a Miami team that's got some injury injury clouds over Hero and Butler and. All their role role guys seem to be Larry. decisions each each game as well. Um, and then on the Celtic side, you've obviously got Smart and Williams, who keep seeming to have trouble with uh, niggling injuries that are hanging around. So yeah, they're setting themselves up really well. I think um, even just the way they're playing, the way they're winning, probably winning some games that they shouldn't, and then taking care of their home court. And they'll have home court advantage in the finals, regardless. I believe. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to be really tough to beat. On the other side, I agree, Tom. Um, the amount of times I've looked at the app hoping for a close score, I generally, when I'm watching games, I'll check the score with maybe six minutes to go in the first half before I actually turn them on. And for this series. Maybe the closest game with six minutes to go in the second half has been what, like forty to forty-five to thirty, <laughs> maybe. Uh, it's been terrible. Um, it's just long. Like, to actually watch the basketball, it's been which we, we like we we knew it would be with these two teams going against each other. It's been you know very defensively orientated kind of series. I mean, the score the score lines have made it so much worse. Like it's just been. But like Bucks and Bucks and Celtics was a pretty low scoring defensively. But the games were close. Yeah, very exciting. It was through the roof. So, like, and I almost think when it's a low-scoring game, like, every every basket matters so much more, um, which I think leads to more exciting basketball, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I also put in the dock um, the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson trophies. They have obviously a new thing introduced this year, which is pretty much the finals MVP of the conference finals. Um, I'm just stalling a little bit to get. Um, just whilst you're doing that, Mitch, can I ask, Is has it ever happened before where a player on the losing team of the series has, uh, has, won, has won that award? Because you I have to think that Luka Doncic should be in that, in that conversation for the uh, no, conference. Got that award wrapped up, but I believe the very first ever finals MVP was handed out, I think off the top of my head, it was Jerry West. And he yeah. was on the losing uh, team in the NBA Finals. That's purely from memory, so I'm just going to double-check that. Um, I believe that is the only time that's ever happened. Um, yeah, he became the only member of the losing team to be named Finals MVP in the 1969 Finals against Boston. Um, but I think Steph's got that wrapped up in the West. Um, and you'd have to think it'd be probably going to be Tatum out east if they win and I mean Butler didn't look crash hot in uh, in game four. He looked like that name was bothering him, but you have to think if Miami get out get over the, the Celtics he's gonna be the one that, that walks away there. Also to just touch on Mitch, you said before that uh that Golden State would have the home court advantage in the finals. Why is that the case given that they finished lower on the uh on the they, ladder? It's it still goes off wins. So you could have you could be the fourth seed in the West playing the second seed in the East, 
But if you won more games in the regular season, you still get the home court advantage. There you go. I didn't know they actually won more games than the... Uh... Um, me, Mitch and I were talking about this yesterday, actually. like, I think Boston are the best team left. Um, I just really think, like, the beating they've copped so far through the playoffs, like, they've had... Obviously, that Nets series was a sweep, but that was a, you know, hotly contested tight series. The, the Bucks series was an absolute slog. Um, and now they're doing the same thing against against Miami, and they're carrying injuries. They've been carrying injuries since since the second round. Um, you know, Williams has been out, out, as Mitch said. So I think that really, that really, and, you know, the same thing goes for the Heat. Like, it just bangs up, and this playing every other night isn't helping either of them. Um, so, yeah, I... I don't think the Warriors are the best team left, but I think they've really shown over the last couple of rounds that sort of championship pedigree. They know how to win, you know, tough games. Um, that's going to come even more in handy when they get to the, to the finals, you know, regardless of whether they're playing the Heat or the, uh, or the Celtics. I find what Golden State have done, like, have done with their roster is pretty cool. Like, they've they've obviously got that older core that are probably on their way out, and yet at the same time they've been able to develop some really good young talent at the same time. Like they're, they're not going to be a bad team for the next 10 years. It's got a very Spursy feel about it. Like, they've kind of restocked the cupboard while continuing. Like, they always had that one bad season where they, they fell, you know, to the bottom of the Western Conference and that they were able to draft James Wiseman, which, you know, that could end up being their worst their worst draft pick out of this little sort of mini-rebuild phase. Um, they had him at two. So, yeah, it's got a very Spursy feel to it. Like, they have really done a really good job of, you know, Flipping pieces at their at their highest uh, value. D'Angelo Russell is a great example of that. Um, you know, Wiggins has been a perfect fit for him. I, I just think they've done a really good job. And like you said, Mitch, they've obviously got you know guys like Jordan Poole, Kaminga. Looks like he's going to develop into a pretty solid player. Obviously, you got Wiseman there as well. Um, they got lots of flexibility. So even guys like Kevon Looney, I feel like he's been around for fifteen years, but I think he's twenty six or twenty seven. I saw the other day. Like, yeah, no, just a very High-class organisation. Um, while we are on the Warriors, just sort of mention, we had it later on in the doc, but Steve Kerr's uh, press conference today before the game, pretty powerful stuff. Um, obviously, I'm assuming we don't want to get too political, but, um, yeah, the mass shooting this morning of the school shooting, 15 dead, I think. Steve Kerr pretty much just... Blowing up. Uh, I believe he is a guy who has been pretty vocal about social justice problems and in the past. Um, did you did you guys catch that one? Yeah, obviously, like it's just unfathomable, unfathomable, you know, kind of tragedy. Just so so terrible, like um, really hard to wrap your head around. So, you know, Steve Kerr's obviously got a platform, so it's awesome to see him getting up there and using that or trying to use that to, you know. Get a bit of positive change because, man, it's just terrible when you when you you see this kind of stuff happening. Um, it just shouldn't it just shouldn't happen. How many more times does something like this need to happen before they have a serious look at gun laws over there? Well, so in Kerr's speech today, there's a there's a bill waiting in the Senate there, which is just for background checks before you get a firearm, and they're not passing that. So. To answer your question, Sam, if if nothing's changed already, then probably nothing will. But like he pretty much just said, um, just to round off on his statements, was pretty much saying like America will act like nothing's happened and we'll cheer on the Warriors, cheer on the Mavs. And he was like, we can't get, we can't become conditioned to this stuff happening because it's not right. Which I mean, everyone knows that, but just yeah. I thought it was pretty good and pretty powerful from the guy in his position to come out strong on that. But, I mean, probably something that shouldn't have to happen in the first place. But, anyway. Uh, good on him. All credit to him. He's a, uh, yeah, he's a genius, that bloke, all, all about and plenty of respect for him. So, but, uh, good that he uses that sort of platform to, to get that sort of discussion, I guess, out there. Because, um, I mean, I'm not sure we probably would have heard too much about it unless we heard it from there. But, um or watched a current affair or something tonight. You talk about Steve Kerr, the genius. Did you see that he's up for his seventh, a chance at his seventh ring this year? Yeah, he won a few as a player and how many, what, this would be number, what, four with no, the Warriors? Four as a player. 
Didn't he win? Didn't he win three with? Wasn't he part of one three Pete at the Bulls, and then he got one at the Spurs? Yeah, I think so. And then this will be their fourth shot at a ring in Golden State, won't it? Yeah, pretty phenomenal. Yeah, a winner. Nice to win. Absolutely. Now, touching on uh, all NBA teams that were recently announced, Tom, I'll let you take the lead on this because you pretty well drafted and named the majority of the the first three all NBA teams. So why don't you take us away and uh, sort of analyze how you went as well? Just just fact checking. Sorry, Tom. Yeah. Right. He won five as a player. Right. So he's up to so he, nine this year. Yeah. Yeah, right. Wow. Um, so he won. Uh, he was a part of one three-peat at Chicago. Definitely four in a row there. Then went to the Spurs, got one. Yeah. And then two years later in 2003, got another one. Yeah, as right. a 37-year-old playing four minutes. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry to interrupt. Um, no, we, we did our All-NBA teams kind of periodically throughout the season. Um, I think we did one just before all or maybe just after All-Star break, like a midway kind of thing. Um, and we did one maybe three quarters away to the season and we revisited it a week or so later. I think we pretty much settled basically on the 15 that were named. I think we had basically exactly that. Um, pretty funny today. You go back, you go back to sort of before this playoff started and, and all the narrative around the Suns and Devin Booker and now today this comes out and people are on the like people just got such a short-term memory like people are on there oh how's how's he made all in their first team ahead of John Morant and Steph Curry like stuff like that I can't deal with like yeah Booker as for as much as the Suns flamed out I think um he definitely deserved to be all in their first team you know, I think people forget how many games some of those other guys missed um but no no surprises I don't think Mitch you're not surprised by any of the of the uh selections no, um, I'm just happy Rudy Gobert didn't get in. Uh, who, like, this obviously means nothing, but who would you say is the 16th man, Tom? Donovan Mitchell? Uh, he'd be pretty close, I think. Um, he, I know we talked about him a lot. Um, the other one we talked about was Jimmy Butler. Um, but, again, he missed a lot of time. Um, Bear Matabai is possibly another one that you could have thrown. Because I think normally, normally there's, like, a case to be made for some of the snubs, whereas I think this year... No, I think it was pretty I think well. Can made. make. I'd yeah. say Donovan, probably the only guy you can make a case for. I think you can make one for Butler or Adebayo. The game's plays are the obvious, the obvious, um, you know, drawback there. I think, but yeah, you know, I, I agree. Usually, there's a lot of like ESPN or Bleacher Report will come out on social media with their list of you know all NBA snubs, um, and they do the same thing at uh, All Star time. Um, but nothing like that today. I think, yeah, I think. The 15 were pretty pretty set. It was just a matter of sort of getting them in the, in the right positions. Um, and I think the voters did a pretty good job. I think they are uh, – yeah, I think they nailed it. Beautiful. And before we finish on our NBA chat, uh, we'll move forward to the off-season now. Plenty of moves in the, in the trade period previously, uh, but uh, what team are you most looking forward to seeing making moves during the off-season? Well, Mitch and I actually had a discussion about this this morning before we even knew we were going to talk about this on the podcast today. but. Gonna go with the Homer pick. I can't wait to see what the Blazers do this off season. They've already been tied to. They reckon that. I mean, it helps being one of the only teams that's been good in the last five years that has got a max slot. But they've there's been reports tying them to Zach Levine. There's been reports tying them to DeAndre Ayton. Um. So I'll be pretty pretty deep in the Twitter sphere, um, looking for reports and rumors. Um, you know, it sucks when your team. When your team's not very good, so it's been a long season. Um, but I'm very excited to see what kind of magic Joe Cronin can uh, come up with. Him and Dane can pull out of the hat this off season. I've got minimal faith on the Blazers front. Um, they've just got no. I don't think they've got many positive trade assets at all. Um, the pick obviously slid down a spot in the draft lottery. Uh, I think if that. Had somehow got, you know, snuck up into the top four for you. This is probably a different story. Um, yeah, well, that was the thing. That was like they made the trade thinking the Pelicans were going to miss the playoffs, and that would leave them with two picks inside the lottery this year. And the Pelicans have done, or they've done what we saw them do, and they've now made the playoffs. So they've kept their pick, and that that pick now will turn into I think it's a 2025, 2026 first rounder from Milwaukee. So the value is way down on that one. Um, that's yeah. 
Giannis will probably only be winning 65 games by then. Yeah, that sucks. Oh. And that was really disappointing to see. But, I mean, it is what it is at the end of the day. So they've just got to make the best of what they've got and see what they can do. Throughout NBA history, I feel like when... Like, there's a... With a lot of poor franchises, there's often a chain of bad decisions made in a row. And I just really fear, Tom, that that trade deadline that you guys had might just be the start of the train. I'm hoping not for your sake, but... Um, I mean, we talked about it at the time. Like, none of us liked it. Um, but I did say we can't fully judge this move until the offseason. And as I've just mentioned, obviously the draft lottery was the first piece. It didn't get off to the greatest start. Losing the Pelicans pick and having the Blazers pick full full spot. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the team I'm most looking forward to. I'm going to go the Atlanta Hawks. Um, this will probably have to be done more on the trade side of things because I think they're pretty chock full of cap. Um, but they've got too many guys. I think they need to they need to somehow do a three for two or a two for one and try and bring in another big name to I mean Simmons was on the table there for a while would he have been helpful I don't know him and Trey Young would have been pretty interesting it's very much fire and ice there like one defensive guy who can't play off uh offense and then vice versa for Trey um but yeah I think they'd be disappointed with the season they had so I think when you're disappointed with the season you had that often brings pressure in the off-season, so we'll see how they go. And as a sneaky pick, I'm actually going to say the Pistons. I think the Pistons have a good little core happening, and I think they could, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs in the East at the moment, but I can see them pushing up into that 11th to 8th kind of spot next year. I think Cade is that guy. Um, they get that. They're getting to that point now where it's like almost time to consolidate their group into what they're going to take forward. Like, also, I think I don't think Grant is going to be there next season. Um, I'd love to see him on the Blazers, um, but yeah, I think they've got a few pieces, a few younger pieces that maybe they don't want to keep that will still have value around the league um, or some value. So, I, I think that's a great pick, Mitch. I think yeah, they've they've got some really uh, intriguing young pieces in guys like Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bay, um, even Isaiah Stewart. They've been another team that's linked to been linked to um, Jandre Ayton, so. It's about consolidating for them. I agree with Mitch. I think Kay's that guy. They've found their franchise centerpiece. So it's about, you know, consolidating and, and setting up around that now. Sam, what about you? I think you've got a good opportunity to play the Homer card as well in terms of teams to watch this offseason. Yeah, I'd love to see Charlotte make some moves. I mean, obviously, you've got some some young talent through there. Um, I think his name's LaMelo Ball. Um, but uh, I think mean, he's, he's pretty good at basketball. Um, but then you've got blokes like Terry Rozier, I know Gordon Hayward's playing around there, but he's sort of getting on a little bit, I believe. Um, but, yeah, just probably bring in a, a more experienced body into that lineup. I know they're probably looking for someone to play at the five. Lord knows what that sort of looks like, whether it's a from a trade trade perspective. I don't even you know, know who's doing the draft. You know who you could trade Gordon Hayward for, Sam, if you want a bit of uh, intensity. He's not, a, he's not a five, but they call him the Brody Beastbrook. <laughs> I can't believe the Hornets were linked to a Russell Westbrook trade. Can you? I can't understand any logic behind I'm not that. Sure how legit that was. Like, yeah, that just doesn't I'd make. Be really sense. upset if he ends up in the uh, in the Hill. All reports point to Russell Westbrook being a Laker at the start of the next season. I think there's a lack of linking him everywhere. Yeah, the only way, I think the only way he's gone is if he gets bought out. I think. A mutually beneficial deal for my my team and your team, Sam, is for you guys to come and get Christian Wood. I well, think, that's, I think that's the person that I put sort of headlined at um, at the trade deadline as, as someone that the Hornets could potentially target. But who do you want? Who do you want? I'll chat to, I'll chat to MJ and he can pass it down the line. <laughs> it'll be, uh, I don't know, I'm assuming it'll be the Plum Dog and maybe a book night or like, I don't know, a, a young I think, piece. I think... Any deal the Hornets are making, Haywood is the first name on the table. Um, I think they'll be trying to turn his salary into something else this off season. Um, probably I mean, a big man. We gave up. We gave up Cody Zeller for Mason Plumlee. So if we're giving up Mason Plumlee, we need another pasty white bloke to come and play at the Hornets. Preferably balding. <laughs> well, that's enough NBA. Plenty of good discussion in there. Around the world.
onto our around the world chat now to touch on a little bit of a a little bit of a sad topic to kick off, but um, nothing to, to certainly be sad about, something to probably be celebrated. Um, the life of uh, Andrew Simons, which was unfortunately taken away from us last week. Now, gents, obviously you being more avid cricket fans than, than myself probably have a lot more to say about him. So I'll, uh, I'll let you, you touch on it real quick. Yeah, obviously one of the great characters of cricket. Um, in terms of a cricketer, prob- legacy he leaves with me is probably... One of the best arms I've ever seen from inside the circle. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it was tough. Uh, we've lost three. I mean, Rod Marsh probably a bit out of our generation, but now that's two guys in the space of six to eight weeks um, that we would have grown up watching, and it just sucks. But yeah, great cricketer. Um, yeah, you um you touched on it, Mitch. Like this is the second guy, like obviously Shane Warne as well, who these guys were, you know, at the centre of the Australian team when I first started watching cricket. Um, you know, and you know, especially guys like Shane Warne and Andrew Simons, just two real characters that you love watching. Um so yeah, no, it was another one of those moments where you sort of have to double take when you see the news and you're like, I, I saw a message from a from a group chat. Um, and just it's just said Andrew Simons with a with a like an emoji with a um, crying face, and I was just like, surely not. Um, anyway, I searched it up on the internet, and yeah, that was it's just terrible. Like, I'm yeah, it's another one of those things I think where I'll remember that sort of moment for for a long, long time. Um, really sad, really sad for his family because he's got some you know young kids, so just really tragic. Um, and all of our all of our thoughts go out to the, uh, his family and friends and um, just a really, really tragic, uh, you know, thing to happen. So rest in peace. I think the one memory that streams to mind is his first test century. He's got the pink grip on his bat, got the zinc-covered lips, and he's doing the, the double armour to his mates back in the pavilion, which, um, yeah, that, I'm sure that was a special moment. But I think just what he added to cricket after um, after he finished, whether it's, I know we don't talk about the Big Bash much because we hate the competition, but what he added in the commentary box there, his algorithm on fielding, who, yeah. as Mitch touched on, was such a such a good fielder himself. He'd, he'd never be in the negatives on his algorithm. But, uh, yeah, like you said, Tom, thoughts and thoughts and prayers go out to him, his family, um, his family and friends, and, and I guess the, the greater Australian cricket community as well. I should, I should have said, when we talk about his legacy, um, shoulder-charging streakers also <laughs> right up there. It's foolish of me to forget that. Um, you never get away with doing that in, like, today's... They like, wouldn't even today. make it out to the pitch anymore. Yeah, but no, that's... When you when, when you think of Andrew Simons, that's definitely... One of the gab where he flattens that bloke, the naked bloke, is just one of the like that one of the first things that comes to mind. Just to Do you think that one's funnier than the one in the Ryobi Cup where he's chasing the bloke down and he gets away? <laughs> It's funny because you can see him, you can see him eyeing this bloke up, and then he gets close to him and he just fucking drops the shoulder. Like I have to, like I know there's been a lot talked about about you know his love for, for footy and stuff. I have to imagine he was pretty good at, at footy. He was obviously a big fella, um, Andrew Simons, um, and just a just a real rough and tumble, you know, genuine Australian bloke. So I have to imagine he was pretty good at footy. Into a little bit of AFL chat, and now there wasn't too much to discuss. We we had a deep dive, and obviously we're in that middle part of the season where the ladder's pretty well set. Um, you've got Melbourne that are the Flemington straight ahead of the rest of the 17 teams. Um, just saw Brisbane go down to Hawthorne on the weekend and drop their second game for the year, um, as well as, I believe, Fremantle lost again on the weekend to Collingwood, who's... Slowly making a move up up the ladder along with Port Adelaide, who have um who have been five and zero since their zero and five start. Lost on the weekend. Four and one since their zero and five start. They played Geelong um, on the weekend, but so I mean, and I think they've got um another relatively challenging um game this weekend, which is when they play the opposition team that is Essendon. So that should be a pretty easy win to move. <laughs> Um, to move to 500 on the on the women's loss, but uh, are you with us, Wet? <laughs> <laughs> I was just getting the app up so that I made sure who was playing who. Um, anyway, look, big one or big talking point for this week was when one of the incidents from the weekend 
being Sam Switzkowski's chicken wing tackle that got sent straight to the tribunal. Gents, I'm not sure if you managed to have a look at that. Um, relatively dog act. I think we've only seen that one other time, and that was when Chris Judd did it on Lee Adams those years ago. Firstly, what did you make of it? Um, and two, can you think of any other dog acts such as that, or I guess not non-footy acts, I probably like to call them, um, in recent times that just, I guess, shouldn't happen in the game? I mean, I know we discussed the, the Dylan Brooks hit on um, a Golden State Warrior a few weeks Payton. ago. Gary Payton. Yeah. Um, uh, I, also like reckon, I also reckon that was on a pod that we didn't release. Well, yeah. Might have been actually, yeah. Yeah, true, you are. But, um, but yeah, can you give any other dog out, whether it's NRL, whatever? Uh, full disclosure, I only watched this five minutes before getting on. Bit of carry on here, I reckon. Like, he, he tucks his arm behind his back, yeah, but, like, nah. I, you probably would call it a dog act, but I think it's pretty soft. Um, I could think of maybe 50 worst dog acts that I've seen in the AFL. 30 from Barry Hall, Andrew Gaff knocking that bloke, knocking that, didn't he fracture his jaw or something, knock his teeth out? Andrew Brayshaw. Yeah. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Toby Green, probably five from him. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It's, no, not even for not even for the AFL. I mean, the only one that probably beats it is uh, John Hoppawati's Punjab uh, in the NRL. <laughs> it's got to be, it's got to be an all timer. Uh, Sam, are you familiar with that one? Oh, I recall seeing something on the lines, but. Yeah, I don't, like, what, did he get a penalty or was it just, like, I mean, suspension? Oh, yeah, yeah, big one. Uh, I'm pretty sure he missed half a season or maybe the full season. Um, wow. He was on the on the ground, like, standing above him, and he's just gone from the ground up, <laughs> straight up the noose. So, um, yeah, that's probably, that's probably the peak. I mean, also a few squirrel grips in the... <laughs> the uh, NRL always always a good one. Yeah, so yeah, I mean that's all I've really got for you. I can't say I was really across this story until before the pod. Switzkowski ended up with with two weeks, whereas and if the listeners recall the the Chris Judd one, he ended up with four. Um, so that one was probably a little bit more extreme. But uh, Tom, any thoughts off the back of that? No, uh, I think like given like he's obviously a bit of a live wire. Um, and, I mean, pretty exciting to watch. Um, sort of does his own thing. He's his own player, you know. I think the headlines seem to sort of follow him, um, and they have been doing so sort of for the last few months. Um, so I think that probably added to this story. Um, obviously, yeah, a dog act, but got the two weeks. So um, that's that, I guess. Nothing really, nothing more really to add. Uh, Hopper Wate, 12-week suspension in 2001. Jeez. Yeah. I can only imagine that that would probably be even longer nowadays. So he was suspended for a record 45 weeks in 13 seasons in the NRL. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I'm just reading this article. John's career finally came to an end in 2005 when he was suspended for 17 games for a flying elbow on Keith Galloway. (laughs) Um. The Suns. I might actually have a little bit of faith in them this year, not to make the eight or anything, but in previous years, you know, they start like they have started four wins, two losses, I believe, or you know, something similar the last few seasons. And then after round eight, it generally just you know, young players. I think the grind of the season, they just get tired. But um, I was actually looking the other day. They're four and six at the moment. Yeah, they are. Like, I mean, but that's they're not good. That's the other part. Like, they're playing a lot of close games, but like that. I watched they lost on the weekend, obviously. But that game against Fremantle from like the weekend before the weekend just gone. Um, that was like one of the best games of footy I've seen them play that I can remember. Well, you um, look at the teams. You look at the teams that they've beaten. They've beaten three of the teams inside the top seven. seven. Yeah. Like, and they gave Melbourne a pretty decent run for their money in round two, I believe yeah. it was. I reckon it was only two or three goals. Three goals, maybe, yeah. It was 
I believe it was 13 points against Melbourne. And then... They only lost by 15 or so on the weekend against the Dogs as well. And the Dogs have really turned a corner. They look a bit, bit, you know, more like themselves the last few weeks. So, To be fair, the Suns are probably the team that's gotten the closest to the Demons this year. <laughs> yeah, actually, probably. But, um, yeah, then they lose to fucking Collingwood and GWS. So... Yeah, the GWS um, is bad. Yeah, that's where they're lacking. But, I mean, that probably comes with experience and being a bit more ruthless. Um, but I really like... I, I like... They can't score to save themselves. But I like that they base their game around the defensive side of the ball. Um, just really good. Like, whenever you're playing the Suns, the footy is always hot, I feel like. Which, for years... The Suns just got outworked and outworked. Like, they they actually had the flashy players. They had the Lynch up forward, but never got the ball there because they weren't putting enough pressure on the ball. And now they probably need a Lynch more than ever. So, which I mean, our Lynch replacement probably did his ACL in the in the preseason by the sounds of things. He was tracking he pretty well. He was having a pretty good year. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, I also like Big Chol. Yeah, he's Yeah. yeah. He's a goer. He, he has a crack. He's not afraid to crash crash some packs, which I appreciate. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all I've really got to say. I, you guys were saying it was a bit of a slow AFL week, so I thought I'd bring a bit of something. But, yeah. Bit of heart. Bit of heart to the podcast. But, yeah, certainly looking forward to seeing how Gold Coast go this weekend up in the Northern Territory against Hawthorne, who obviously coming off knocking off the Premiership favourites in Brisbane. Um, oh, sorry, no, no, the second place Brisbane, which was an ugly game, but we won't get into that. We touched on a little bit of NRL um, in and around dog acts, and most of most dog acts occur in Origin. Mitch, you're gonna uh, you're gonna name your Origin teams, which I'm sure there's a there's a few spots that are probably absolute locks, but some interesting ones. Um, to discuss and, and potentially a few debutants this year. Yeah, as I go through, I'll kind of mention some that I think are maybe a little contentious or or they're like, you know, another contender to get that spot. But, um, yeah, by the time we meet again, the Origin teams will have been named. I believe they get named next Sunday, at the, well, at the end of this round. Um all right, so this is obviously barring injury in this round. Uh, Queensland, uh, Caelan Ponger at fullback on the wing, Xavier Coates and Selwyn Cobbo. Now, on the wings, I've got two contenders, Corey Oates having a really good year, which is surprising, and uh, Murray Tuolungi from the Cowboys. Uh, in the centres, Valentine Holmes, Dan Gagai. Um, Dan Gagai, when he's played, has probably been the form centre in the competition this year, which if I'm saying that about Dan Gagai, he must be playing really well because I can't stand him. Uh, six and seven, Munster and DCE. Um, as a Dragons fan, I wanted to do everything I could to get Ben Hunt in there. I don't rate DCE all that much, but it's hard to drop your skipper. Front row, uh, Tino Fasua Malawi and Patrick Carrigan. Hooker, Harry Grant. Uh, back row, Kurt Capewell, Felice Kafusi, and Jai Arrow. And then off the bench, Ben Hunt, Francis Molo, a couple of dragons there. Uh, Ruben Cotter from the Cowboys, he's playing the house down, and Josh Papali. Any. Issues there, boys. I know you got. I know you aren't uh, avid NRL followers. People um, putting up their like their Origin One teams. Um, oh, there's a lot of hype around Colo, and obviously being from Brisbane, we see a fair bit of him. Um, he looks he looks pretty exciting. He looks a bit like young Greg Inglis, like that big stocky build, um, pretty strong, very fast. Um, he looks like a pretty exciting talent um, for the future. So it'll be curious to see him get into that arena if uh, if he gets the nod. Um. Yeah, I haven't really got. I haven't really got much else to add other than that. It's always hard comparing someone to Greg Inglis. <laughs> like probably one of the best ever. Yeah. I think he's. I think a better comparison for him right now is probably Latrell. But I mean, Latrell 
has been compared to Greg Inglis as well. So yeah, let's look at his build. Like he, like when I when I first saw him, I thought like on the wing he must be not that big, but like no, he looks like he's like a stocky, like pretty built out kind of guy, and he's obviously super quick as well, like very agile, um, like really, like just like an athletic freak, really. Um, he he come up through the grades playing fullback, so I think they've put him on the wing just to blood him because he is a young fella at the Broncos, but. I mean, like you said, Tom, his body, he's definitely ready for origin. Like, he's not out of – he won't be out of place. When we say stocky, do we mean pudgy like Latrell and Greg or – Yeah, I think they definitely – like, Latrell <laughs> – Latrell's a big bopper. Greg was a big bopper when he went to um, when he went to the Rabbitohs. But I think they're athletic freaks. Like, he's – Cobo's probably the quickest of the three of them. I think that almost adds to like the fact that they are they could move like like Latrell obviously like in, in English the way that they could move like they do at the size that they are like they were they're big bull like English was massive and Mitchell is massive um but they're still able to move like I think that's like kind of what makes them so special is the fact that they can do what they can do they're as quick as and agile as what they are at the size that they're at and when you when you look. Latrell, I mean, Greg Inglis's prime probably wasn't as long as what it could have been, which is probably to Sam's point due to that, like being that size, it wears on your body after a while. But the peak is the peak, and Greg Inglis probably, if he's not an immortal, he's got to go close. So, um, yeah, New South Wales team. Pretty simple. I actually think a uh, few injuries in the centres really opens up a door for Queensland. Um, so, one, obviously, Tedesco. Weddo, who's going to be playing wing on the Blues? Our fa- The favourite NRL player of the podcast. Oh, big biz up, Brian Toto. <laughs> It'll be Brian Toto on the wing with the Fox, Josh Adokar. Now, centre, you've got two spots. You've probably got six guys who wouldn't look out of place. I have gone with a roughie. I'm not very confident about it, but this is who I would pick personally. So I've got Stags. Well, I think Stags is in automatically. Now I've gone Jack Whiten instead of uh, Stephen Crichton. Um, I ultimately think they probably will pick Crichton at four, and Whiten will probably be probably be 18th man. Um, but I like the physicality Jack Whiten brings, and I think he's got a lot of talent. So uh, six and seven, Luai and Cleary, no-brainer. Front row, I've gone Regan Campbell-Gillard and Payne Haas with Damien Cook at hooker. Back row, Liam Martin, Tamora Boy, uh, Tyson Frizzell and Isaiah Yo. Uh, and then off the bench, Nico Hines, Jake Trebojevic, uh, Junior Paulo, and Daniel Saifidi. So I'm hoping to go 34 for 34 there. Um, I mean, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. That centre position for the Blues with Latrell and Turbo. I mean, Turbo's out for the season, and Latrell is currently over in America having his hamstring looked at by a specialist over there. So I can't imagine that's good news if he's had to go over to the US. So um, I've actually got a little bet for you blokes. Um, there's a class- He's our first try scorer. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, this has nothing to do with origin, just NRL. There's a Clive Churchill medal market up at the moment. Isaiah Yo at $15 is serious value. He's like as an as an NRL player, there is I don't think in the NRL at the moment there's a guy who influences winning more than Isaiah Yo. Was he waiting the Panthers butt? Yeah. So when you have blokes like Cleary and stuff stealing his votes. Well, so you've got Cleary at five fifty, he's a favourite. Pappenhausen at ten, Luai at eleven. Munster at twelve fifty, and then Yo at fifteen. Fuck, where's yep. Chad Townsend? <laughs> Chad Townsend. Let's have a look. If he's paying anything less than a hundreds, 
I recall you blokes laughing at me, both of Pappy being the leading try scorer and Pappy being the Dally M. He's second favourite and he's missed the last two weeks to a hamstring and still has, what, a month to go? Yeah. You bastards. He's been good, but we've given you props for him being good. It's not like we've disregarded that completely. All the props yeah, right. on the podcast that weren't released. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Azayo also, I believe, is on top of the Dally M at the moment. So he's getting that recognition this year. So When do uh, they stop When do they stop releasing the count? Round 13, I reckon. I yeah. suppose Terry got his... Um, Got his Clive Churchill last year. I like, wouldn't be out of the blue. I like, wouldn't be outrageous for someone else to win if they got there this year. Well, I mean, Cleary definitely the safest bet since yeah. he's, you know, four dollars fifty shorter than the second favourite. But yeah. I think, yeah, I think Yo should be, he should be shorter than that personally. But anyway, yeah. So they're my Origin teams next week. Won't go through them again, obviously, but I'm happy to come back with a number out of 34 um, and see how we go. I think just just finally, how big of a blow? I know we obviously discussed that New South Wales should be should be dominating this series, but how big of a blow is uh, Tom Trebojevic, um is out? Yeah, well, he's the best player in the comp. Uh, his form his form has been pretty shit this year. Um, but in saying that, Tedesco Tedesco probably doesn't get talked about enough in terms of he's probably going to end up in the top three fullbacks full time. Um, I reckon Slater's in trouble. <laughs> I think he's got Slater covered. And I know this is coming from New South Welshman, so I'm probably biased. But, uh, yeah, Tedesco's unreal. He'll show up for the three games, and Cleary, pretty hard to go past a better player than Nathan Cleary at the moment. So I'm going to guess that they're going to, if these are the teams, Nathan Cleary's going to be putting up some pretty savage bombs, Selwyn Cobbo's way, I reckon. Moving on, um, we have the draft. Now, this week's draft, we're going to draft uh, McDonald's menu items. Um, so before we got on, uh, we did the Wheel of Names randomizer, and we've come up with the order. Um, we just did the order for the first round, and then we're going to rotate forward as the rounds progress. So the first round order is Sam, Tom, and then myself, and then obviously the next one, Tom, myself, and then Sam, and it's going to work in that order. Three rounds, Sam. With the number one pick in the McDonald's menu items draft, you select Big Mac. Uh, straight to number one for me. No brainer. Um, yeah, I'll order it 99 times out of 100 if I'm uh, if I'm having Maccas after 10:30 o'clock. 10:30 o'clock. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's I'll take I'll take Big Mac with uh, with pick one. I feel like it's almost harder to go. Like higher in this draft. There's so many with, with or without pickles set. Ah, uh, they can stay on there. One thing I've really gotten into recently is the Big Mac with bacon. <laughs> Outstanding. Okay, I'm gonna take one thing. Rice, rice paper rolls? No, not rice paper rolls. See, like with burgers, I know I can get a good burger in the second round. You're gonna get a hamburger, aren't you? <laughs> with like condiments and stuff, I also know I can get a good one in the second round. There's one thing, it's a staple of no Australia that McDonald's made famous. It's a frozen Coke. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 oh, no, no, that no, is no, a no. stinker. <laughs> Why is the stinker? I thought you were gonna take what Chips. I wanted to take. <laughs> frozen Coke. <laughs> why is that a stinker? I don't understand why it's a stinker. Have you been to 7-Eleven? Like I feel like you could get a pretty good drink in the second round too. <laughs> what, orange juice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my days. No, frozen Cokes from McDonald's are like, it's not a Slurpee, it's a frozen Coke. McDonald's made them famous. 
I can't believe this has gotten to me at pick three, but I'm going to take fries. Um, Macca's fries are some of the best out there. It's a no-brainer at pick three. When Tom talks about <laughs> talks about something you won't get in the second round um, and a staple, <laughs> I definitely I thought, get the I same approach is going to be high. Everyone's draft board. Every meal, every meal comes with fries. They are the staple. That's what the staple is. So I'm taking fries. <laughs> First, the second great, round. Great, great pick. The real, the real staple of McDonald's. <laughs> Not frozen cokes. So it's my my pick. Yeah, you're up, Tom. All right, I'm gonna get a burger here. As I said, I could get a good one in the second round, which I'm going to. This is one I get all the time. Uh, I'm getting a double quarter pounder. Yeah. The pick. Solid. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take a burger. This is the one I always get. I'm going to go for a McChicken. Can't believe no one took fillet of fish yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did think about that. Sam, um, in the second round. Look, um, this might be left field, but I don't think it really is or, or should be. I'm taking a McFlurry. No, that was going to be my next pick. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Pick good. six, taking a McFlurry. Um, staple. I'm an M&M preference, but honestly, take both of them. So McFlurry for me. Yeah, well done. That's a good pick. That's throwing a spanner in my works. All right, so I've got the first pick in the third round. I feel as though I've had a really solid draft up until this point, so I really want to cap this off. Um. Oh, no-brainer. Chicken nuggets. I'm really happy with the draft I've had. Yeah, chicken nuggets was a good one. I was hoping that might have slipped through to my next one, but, um, yeah, no, nah, good one. Well done. Uh, with my final pick, I've got a Big Mac. I've got a McFlurry. I'm going to go look at a, a breakfast item, and I'm going to take a Mighty McMuffin. So bacon, egg, sausage, right sauce, <laughs> right between a nice couple of couple of muffins. Um, yeah, breakfast breakfast staple for mine. Um, with my third pick, I'll be taking a large chocolate sundae. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. What are we going? Frozen Coke, a double quarter pounder, and a chocolate. <laughs> <sundae>. <laughs> I love going to McDonald's. For, like sometimes I'll just go just for a Sunday. So frozen, as Coke. if you're going just for a McFlurry. I don't like McFlurries. Frozen Coke at the first pick, like at the first in the first round, is almost as bad as Widow's James Brayshaw number one <laughs> commentator draft. I think, I think frozen eggs are good pick. pick. All right, that's the draft. Um, we're going to go into the rats round of thoughts now. Off the back of that, um, we'll try. So, Mitch, be- sorry, reviewing yours. What did you have? Uh, fries, a McChicken, and nuggets. Yeah, that's nice. Tom, given you're the third, who are you, which which draft, if you could only have Mitch's three items or my three items for the rest of your life, which one are you going? I'm probably going with Mitch's. Thoughts. Sometimes I just can't control my thoughts. Now, another week of my uh, favourite segment, and just props to props to Mitch. He's doing a really good job at coming up with these and keeping us entertained. I'll uh, I'll let him have the floor again for this week. Yeah, so three, three thoughts this week. I've got two questions and just a thought. I'll go with my thought first. I'm going to let you guys guess before I give you the answer, but what do you reckon I think... So it's a movie, I bl- you'd call it a movie series, I guess. But what do you think I would think is the be- is the most overrated movie series of all time? Uh, can you give us a genre? Uh, action. I'm going to go with Indiana Jones. No. Is there a book as well? No. Specky McGee. <laughs> no, um, is it like it's, I know it's not 20 questions but is it like a cartoon <laughs> or is it a 
I'm just going to tell you, you've, you've yeah, gone yeah, to go the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the most overrated. They're, they're just terrible. They're just not good. And there's some obnoxious thing about people who like the Marvel movies, like that I'm almost, because I don't like them, my brain isn't complex enough to understand <laughs> the nuances of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Fuck out of here. Do you guys have any thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, I've never really been into it, so I probably can't comment too much. But having said that, if it's if it's being rated highly and I haven't seen it, I've got plenty of time on my hands and I'm not going out of my way to go and see it. So <laughs> I probably agree with you. I mean, I've watched, like, I've watched all of them. Like, I've watched a few Marvel movies. I like, I like the movies. Like, most of them are pretty good. Some of them are a bit weird. Like, I watched Ant-Man when that came out in the cinemas. That was pretty shit. Didn't like that one. Um. Just a weird, weird sort of idea for a superhero, Ant-Man. Um, Who's the worst superhero? I reckon Ant-Man's got to go close. Does anyone like ants? <laughs> no. Uh, worst superhero, that is a good question. Right, are we happy with, are we happy with that for an answer? All right. Actually, I'm going to add a thought. Three of us here, we're all modern family Fans, I want us to come together, and I'm happy for discussion because that's what this is oh, all no, about. No, no, We're going to – our top five – so the Punting Fantasy Podcast, top five modern family characters. Now, are we all comfortable with Phil Dunphy at number one? Yeah, that's <laughs> easy. It's a safe easy. one. Yeah. Now, let's throw some names out there that we think should be in the top five. One each, the same. Okay, this has come about for a reason because Mitch and I had a discussion about this, but we'll get to that when we get to it because we're going to get to it because it's a, I think it's a uh, point of contention. But anyway, so you you start, Mitch. No, I think Sam, you're always you're you're normally the first to speak on the rats' random thoughts. I'll throw to you. Yeah, sure. I'll um, I'll throw Luke Dunphy in there. In the top five. Yeah. Oh. As flock, are we doing just figuring out the top five, or are we going to order it? No, so just Bill, Bill Dunphy at number one. So we're sorting out two to five. Um, okay. I'll say like I'd throw Luke in there as a potential two. I'll go with Manny. The problem I have with both of those guys is like in the in the first few seasons when they're young, they're really funny, and then when Luke is like a seventeen-year-old guy trying to act like an idiot like he is and he's it's funny it just i feel like he loses his shine a little bit um i'll throw in jay then yeah i'm happy with I'll jay yeah jay would be my next pick i think what are our thoughts on claire yeah i think she'd be up there i don't reckon she's above cam but no this is this is the point of contention we're talking about i do not like cam He's gold. I don't he's understand so why you don't crazy. like him. No, I do not like him. He's in my top five. But Tom aggressively... Tom, is something you need to tell us? So I'm happy, I'm happy to put Cam at six if we can figure out... Because I don't, I don't violently dislike the others. Like, Tom violently dislikes Cam. I don't violently dislike him. I just think that, like, a lot of the times he, like... I don't know, I feel like Mitchell has to almost put up with him. Like, Mitchell's, like, he's, he's making Mitchell apologise for things and I just don't like, like But, like, that's the humour. That's the dynamic. Yeah, but I really like Mitchell and so I hate when, like, I don't like it when that happens because, like, I, yeah, you know, I just don't like that dynamic. I don't like, maybe that's what more what I don't like is the dynamic between them as opposed to Cam himself because, I, like, I really like I reckon, Mitchell. I reckon Mitchell really enjoys rice paper rolls too, so I sort of understand why you lean towards that. <laughs> All right. So... Phil, Jay, Claire. no Jay too. Yeah, I think Jay's second. Phil, Jay, you probably slide. You want to slide Claire in three. I'm happy to throw Luke or Manny in. Who, who do we rate oh, higher? I think I would take Manny over Luke, just personality wise. And Sam, yeah, I'm, I'd Break. take Luke over Manny. So I'm a tiebreaker. I'll go. So this is the battle for three and four. I'm happy to take. I think I'm going to go Manny, just because he's funnier for longer. 
So Matty at three, Luke at four. Then who's who's lining He's up? He's also drinking espresso at like thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, number five. If it's not Cam, the Dun the Dunphy family's done. The other three aren't getting involved. What about so, a young Lily? A young Lily is really funny. Lily's I find. Funny. Yeah, Lily's pretty funny. I don't think she does enough. Like, she, yeah, yeah, she did some good stuff also, early. Also a valid point. What's the um, Claire? I think I think Claire rounds out the top five. Oh, I thought yeah. we had her in there. Yeah, Claire's definitely didn't in. She goes. Didn't she go three? Okay. The final answer: Phil, Jay, Claire, Manny, Luke. Luke. Yeah, are we happy with that? All right, we so, move on. These last two should be a bit shorter. If you guys could see one music artist live, so this is a dead or alive artist, who would it be? 1975. And there's daylight between them and the next, whoever's next. That's a that's like so high on my bucket list just to go out there. Like, yeah. Um, Queen? I'd, I've seen clips of Freddie Mercury belting out we are the champions. Why wouldn't you want to go? What's the relationship between Freddie Mercury and Queen? He's, He's the lead singer. Oh, I thought Queen was a person. He's Queen a band. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Queen was <laughs> No, they're brother and sister. <laughs> right. Oh, Tom, that's a sh- that is a stinker. I don't listen to Queen. But like, yeah, wow. I think I know one. I think we had the championships, probably the only Queen song I could name. Right. Uh, yeah, mine would be Kanye West. <laughs> I uh, I think I am a big fan of the 1975, but I think they've got a few more tours left in them. Kanye coming to the very end of his. Uh, he's coming to the end of his. Well, not even his prime. He's just coming to the end of his career, I think. So. I'd love to see him before he's done. Tom, have you heard a little number called Bohemian Rhapsody? Oh yeah, I've heard that. Another one bites the dust. Don't don't stop me now. Are these are all Queen. I want to break free. Wow, I know more Queen songs than I thought I did. <laughs> and to round off episode twenty-one of the Punting Fantasy Podcast, leftover pizza. Warm or cold? Hot. Oh, I go both. Yeah, interchangeable. Um, I don't care. Uh, if it's garlic bread, I'm warming it back up. But cold pizza is okay. Yeah, I think I lean cold. Nice and easy, isn't it? Yeah, and I actually think <laughs> it tastes like putting in the microwave for a minute and a half. Fucking hell. Um, righto, can you think of a food, if it's not pizza, that, you know, is cooked and served hot, but when it's left over and it's cold, tastes better than it was when it was hot? God. Um, pizza. <laughs> thanks, Sam. No, I got nothing off the top of my head. Cold foods that are better cold. Cold foods as a rule, not great. What's the best yeah. cold food? Prawns. Ice cream. Prawns, ice cream. What's the best cold? See, I feel like everything that's cold. Like, well, I mean, it's, sea- it's seafood, like sushi. Like, you'd be yeah. taking yeah. Yeah, sashimi. Probably. Well, I'm a massive raw fish person. I love your sushi, but I think. Yeah. No, but Sam is like the Australian sushi lover, like the <laughs> like the chicken and avo roll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually don't like avo. <laughs> it's, it's just teriyaki chicken. Oh. I think I think we touched on my sushi love in uh, in our hangover episode, which was another belter. Tom goes for Subway. Good few thoughts there, Mitch. You've uh. You still haven't let us down 
with any of those moments through there. But uh, yeah, great podcast tonight. A nice little uh, McDonald's draft to, to lead into the Rats round of thoughts. Um, keen to hear your thoughts off the back of that draft as to what your favourites are. Um, once again, keep an eye out this weekend for all selections on the Punting Fantasy Instagram page. Thank you again for tuning in for episode 21. We'll see you next week.